0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Emanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. You know, one of the things about the mics you don't have to hold in your hand is a lot of times people forget that they have them on and I was doing a youth conference with a friend of mine at a church and there was probably, I would say maybe 2,000 people there and um and he was the main speaker and he was good friends with the pastor and he had the the he had the mic on and then he went to the pastor's office and the pastor was asking him he was like well he goes no we're going to do an offering for you tonight right and he said yeah I man and he was just 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 being goofy and he said yeah i want you to I want you to just really sock it to those people. I want you to drain every wallet. And so I, I everybody in the church could hear him. So I took off running to the pastor's was Like, your mic is on. And so anyway, so, but um, he did get a good offering that night. But um, that was that was pretty fun. So um, <clears throat> one of the things I used to do with my youth group is we always had the youth that always sat in the back and it used to bug me. So then sometimes I would come in and the youth would all take their seats, and then before I would speak, I would take the podium to the back and have everybody turn their chairs around, and everyone in the back was then in the front. I want to do that at this church so badly, because I say it's time to break some traditions, and so people sit toward the front. That's what I say. So takes, come on, Carrie. Let's give them a hand for that. Anybody wants to break tradition and move a little forward. So, yeah, come on come on down as they say on The Price is Right. So, you know, one of the great things about being, um, about being a dad is making sure that you have your dad humor, right? Yes. And so you've got to have your dad jokes, and so I just got a couple of fun things here for you. Um, a man goes into the bank, and the bank teller says, Sir, I think your account is overdrawn. The man says, Well, so are your eyebrows, but here we are. <laughs> I went into my work today, on my way to work, and had a really bad day today. I rear-ended a car. The driver got out, and he was a dwarf. He ran up to me and said, listen, I'm not happy. And I said, well, which dwarf are you? Started a fight. (laughs) Um, A recent study found that women who carry a little extra weight live longer than the men who mention it yep. Yeah, yeah, all, right, all right okay just for zay he's gonna get this one okay so if a cow doesn't produce milk is it a milk dud or an utter failure <laughs> that is a good dad joke right there let's see if uh... <laughs> for wedding vows you should include do you promise to always help him find stuff that's right in front of him in the refrigerator because you'll be doing this for the rest of your life thank you bethany I'm making Bethany my laugh track now. Yeah, yeah. Here's the last one. My wife told me, take that, powder, that spider outside to, for, before, instead of killing it. So we went out for drinks. He was cool. He's going to be a web designer. Wow. <laughs> my wife said to take the spider out before killing it. Wow. Yeah, all right. Okay. Holy Spirit, come back. Anyway, so it's good to be with you guys today and um, I want to talk to you guys today. You know, one of the, the tough things about, about you know, doing a sermon um, on Father's Day is, um, you know, you really want to have something that you, I hope to have something that speaks to everybody here today, but I, and I really want to encourage you as parents and as believers, um, you know, one of the things I don't want to do is come in and talk about just how to be a good dad and then people like Jim, you know. He's like, well, I'm not a dad yet, so he, and he decides to leave or take a nap, so we don't want that to happen. So anyway, so I hope that you guys are really blessed today. I want to talk to you today, if you could put the, the PowerPoint slide up, that's my dad humor, whenever people say, can you throw up the slide, I always want to go, so that bring it, you know, anyway, it's throwing up the slide. Yeah, I know. Um, anyway, so I want to talk to you guys today about, are you a, more of a warrior, a shepherd? Or a worshipper. As a parent, those things are all really vital. Those things are really vital for us and as as believers. You know, um, I've talked to you guys. I hope this topic doesn't get old to you, but it's just still so kind of so fresh to me. Uh, I've been talking to you guys about my dad passing away in March, and uh, one of the things that was really interesting to me to my dad. My dad was almost eighty-nine years old. And this time he was in the hospital, and it was in November last year, and he, he, was, ac- he, accidentally, he was accidentally overdosed on pain medication. So he was, they couldn't wake him up. No one could wake him up for three and a half days. Every now and then he would kind of moan a little, but they gave him too much pain medication, and he was, he, was, um, he was overdosed, and he was out of it. And one of the things that was really interesting to me when, when he was able to talk is see my dad was like i said my dad was almost 89 my dad's father left him and his two younger siblings um when he was five years old my dad never heard of his heard from his dad again but when his father died he left my dad the executor of his estate that's kind of a long story because they ended up finding out later after his father died that he tried to get in touch with the kids and to support them and my grandmother separated from him and didn't want anything to do with him. So he was actually trying to get in touch with my with my dad and my dad's sisters the whole time, but he never knew. So he was, my dad, but my dad was left the executor of his estate. It wasn't a lot of money or a big house or anything like that. But he left stuff to my, to my dad. And when they, when they, um, when my dad went to view the body, they gave my dad his wallet and his father still had pictures of them as, as five, three, and one-year-old kids in his wallet. And um, so my dad never, was never in communication with his dad, but it was so interesting to me that when my dad was completely out of it for three and a half days, he told me, he said, Rick, all I did, he said, I just dreamed about my dad. He said, I dreamed that I was looking for my dad because I knew my dad could help me and I was having trouble breathing and I was looking for my dad to help me. And then there were times I was looking for my dad and then he I found him and he wouldn't help me. And I thought, how interesting is it that a person's almost 89 years old and in their heart of hearts, in their subconscious, they're still longing for their dad. We have such a big role. And I know some of you sitting here this morning, You're not married and you have kids. And uh, I hope today that you're really blessed as we get into this. But our roles as men in the church and our roles as dads, it's something that I know at times in my life, I'm sure I took too lightly. But there's something inside of our kids that are longing and longing and longing for us. And I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. I'm not saying that to make you feel like, to recognize the importance of our lives as dads to be a warrior or a shepherd or a worshiper, to be the best dad that we can or to be the best mom that you can or to be the person that's really close with Christ through these different things. Let's take a look at this, a couple of scriptures. Let's first look at the the warrior portion of this. So I'm asking you this morning, are you a warrior, not a warrior. a warrior, shepherd or a worshiper? The best way that you can become a warrior in your family, let's go to the next one for me, if you would, Bethany, is to be a warrior for your spouse. One of the things that my kids said to me three or four years ago, my daughters are in their early 30s, and they said, Dad, we know that there had to be times that you and mom didn't agree upon things, and maybe you didn't agree upon things on how you were going to discipline us or what was happening with the school or whatever. And they said to me, they said, but we, one of the things that you always did is you always presented a united front. And I thought that was one that was great that my kids recognized that. But yeah, there was definitely times that we didn't agree upon what we were going to do with the kids, but we prevented we but we presented a, a, a united front to them, and it was really powerful, and it's impacted their life. But the most one of the most important things you can do as a as a warrior is to be that warrior for your spouse. I heard a guy say one time, and he was talking about I don't remember if it was his son or his daughter was was you know kind of sassing the mom and he and he pulled the kid aside and said, You know what, you may think you can talk to your mother like that, but you're not gonna talk to my wife like that. What a powerful statement. For that guy to be a warrior for his wife. Let's look at a couple of verses here from 1 Peter. Let's look at this. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your. Listen, listen, this is. So, I never really grasped this part uh, until I read this the other day. It says, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. That alone is so powerful of how, as us as men, we need to view our wives, that she's a gift, and it's part of our new life. It's part of our born-again experience is to be with her. My pastor um, a few years ago said, God's way of discipling us is to have us get married. Think about that. The more that, that, that we have to die to ourselves, it's like God discipling us and helping us to die to ourselves and really serve our spouse. Says, and then it says, um, anyway, so it says, goes on and says, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. That alone is powerful. How we treat and be that warrior for our spouse and love her and bless her and support her and honor her, those things can keep our prayers from being answered. There's so many great things in this verse that, sh- that show us the priority of really blessing our, our wives for us men to really bless our wives the other thing i think is interesting i've always wondered in this what does it mean some verses say that the woman is the weaker vessel what does that really mean? So I decided to, to look up what it really meant, and this is what it means. There's there's a, a Greek word, and I could tell you what it is, and I probably pronounce it wrong, and then you would probably forget it in five minutes anyway. But the word weaker is this Greek word is mentioned several times, and has nothing to do with a woman being frail and she's not as strong as you because I mean, you guys know some of your wives could take you out if they want to. Amen. See, Candy's Candy's preaching that one right there. Um. But it, this, is, this is talking about in the culture, if you were low income and you were a woman, you were not allowed to continue to higher education and you were looked as less in the culture. So that's what it's talking about. He's talking here about because of the culture, women just appeared to be weaker because of how the culture viewed them. They were not allowed to basically get a higher education or, or maybe what we would consider a college education. But that's what that means. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily weaker. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like Susan is stronger than me when it comes to something we need to stand and believe God for. So it has nothing really to do with with any kind of physical or spiritual weakness, which I think is really interesting. Let's look at the next verse here. It's from Ecclesiastes. I love this. It says, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white. That means be, be walking as a man of, of purity. And always anoint your head with oil. What is oil a symbol of in the Bible? It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Walk in purity. Have the Holy Spirit next to you is what he's saying. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Number two, let's look at the next one. The next one, for us to be great warriors is to guard our hearts. Let's look at a couple of verses here. It says this in Proverbs chapter four, guard your heart with all vigilance for from it flows the springs of life. For us to be that great warrior for our family, and I'm not talking about just men here, but I'm talking about women. There's some of you women here. We got to pray with, Susan, I got to pray with Charlotte this morning. She is a warrior for her family right now. She is a warrior for her daughter, for her kids right now. all of us it's important for all of us to guard our hearts because out of our hearts flow everything else to, that goes with our life. Look at Philippians chapter 4 the verses up here too. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. It's so important for us to be in the word, to be people that are people of purity, pure thoughts, of pure actions and for, the, for us to really guard our hearts because of what flows out of us into our families. I know there were times, I think one of the best things that I personally ever did for my kids was, was to be humble and to apologize. There were many times I would go to my kids and I would say, you know what, what I said to you or what I did or how I reacted to your mom, it was wrong. And I'm, I'm, asking, I'm asking you right now if you would forgive me for how I treated you or what I said or what I did. Man, humility goes a long, long way when it comes to us as, as, excuse me, to be those godly examples we need to be for our kids. Let's look at number three. This is so important. Run into every battle with your mouth wide open. What do I mean by that? Think about King David. When when, when David was young, what was David doing before he killed Goliath? He He was taking food. He wasn't seen as a warrior at all, but he didn't go out and say, well, I got this rock, everybody pray for me because I'm gonna give it a try. But what did he do? Somebody tell me, what did he do? He slayed the giant, but when he went out, before he slayed the giant, he ran out and yelled and said, in the name of my Lord and God, you're toast today. For all of us that have kids that aren't walking with the Lord and or maybe struggling in their faith, it's time for us to go into our battles to be that warrior to be that warrior that we need to be and go into the battle with your mouth wide open because you know what you're a, you're victorious in christ the bible tells us that when we sow the word of god into our kids it does not return empty Go into your battles with your mouth wide open as a person that's yelling the victory and giving praise to God when you're warring for your family. Um, I've told you guys, shared this with some of you guys, but it's been about two and a half years ago. It was two years ago in January, so two and a half years ago, I guess, that we found out my 28-year-old daughter had stage four breast cancer. She went through 13 months of chemo and surgery. She had a double mastectomy. And I'm telling you, there were times that I was a a warrior for her, and there was a time that I had to just fall on my face before God. There were times that Susan would come into the bedroom, and I'm telling you, my spot was at the foot of our bed, just laying on the floor with my Bible and listening to worship. And I would go there, and I would just cry. Sometimes for 30, 40 minutes, sometimes an hour, I would just cry. And I would tell God, this thing that I said, that I started saying for the first couple of months is I would just say, God, because my first wife died of cancer. Their mom died of cancer. I would just say, God, this is so not fair. But God would meet me. He would meet me in my weakness, and He would meet me as I would pray the word, and He would meet with me as I listened to worship. And my worship songs became prayers to Him, and I became that warrior for my daughter. But I'm telling you, there was times I did not feel victorious. There were times I had to go to him and I had to be blatantly honest. And you know what? God appreciates our honesty. Run into your battle with your mouth wide open. Excuse me, Romans chapter 8. Look at this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written... For your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors for, from, from conquerors through him who loved us. You guys, we are conquerors. The same power that raised Christ from the dead resides in you as a believer. Remember that as you go and you become a warrior for your spouse and you become a warrior for your kids. And I want to encourage you in this. <clears throat> I know some of you here, you you have kids and you're divorced. But I'm telling you, the Lord will honor you and he will honor what you do and he will honor what you put into your kids. Next, let's look at the shepherd. I tell you what, turn to your Bible and... Um, to First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. And we're going to take a look at, uh, oh, thank you so much. First Peter chapter 5. Thank you. We're going to look at verse 1. And I know this is talking about, um, this is talking about elders in the church and pastors, but we're going to take a look at this because it's a great thing for all of us to remember as we are shepherds of our family. It says this, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock. You are a shepherd of your family. He's called us to be husband, wife, fathers, and mothers, that we would be shepherds of of the flock, he says to care for God's flock who is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not greedy of money, but eager to serve. Man, one of the things that I strive to do is, and and I, of course, wasn't set out for this, but I've actually had some guys that were single come to my house and they'll say, You know what? I've observed how you serve Susan and it's taught me something of how I want to be when I get married. I And I appreciate that. But I strive to find things where I can do to serve serve Susan. If you know something, I'll tell you something about Susan. If she had to do 30 hours of yard work versus five hours of uh, cleaning in the house, she would take the 30 hours of yard work. So sometimes she'll come home and I'll have the house cleaned and she's like, just makes her so happy. But I look for things that I can do to serve her. That's the way we need to be as as husbands and as fathers look for ways to serve not lording it over those in, entrusted to you but being examples to the flock and when the she, chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that uh, will be well, that will never fade young men in the same way be submissive to those who are older than you All of you clothe yourself in humility toward one another. This is great for us to remember as dads and as moms and as we serve our our families. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Where you're at in your life right now, I want to encourage you as a shepherd of your family. You see things that are going on that you don't like. You see things, like I said, maybe you're divorced. Maybe your spouse isn't wanting to follow the Lord anymore. Maybe your kids are straying, but cast your cares upon him. Take your anxiety <clears throat> as, a, as a shepherd and cast your anxieties upon him. Then in verse eight, it says, be self-controlled, be alert. Be, um, your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion Uh, looking for someone he can devour, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm uh, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You guys, as we're shepherds, he restores us. We can cast our anxieties upon him and he. And as we shepherd our families. When I was in um, Alabama, I was uh, there at a, at a church. It was probably around, I'd say it was somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 people. So it was a good sized church. There were, I'm gonna t- kind of give you this picture so you can kind of see what, what I'm talking about. But there were 18 pastors on staff I was on staff at the church. I worked there for a couple of years. And um, our pastor was, was Rusty Nelson. He's, he's, my kids and I kind of have a joke that we say whenever we get in difficult times, we're like, "Not what would Jesus do? Because sometimes Jesus seems so perfect. You're like, of course we know what Jesus, we want to see what Jesus would do. But sometimes we're like, well, what would Pastor Rusty do in this situation? Because he was the most godly example of Christ that I've ever seen in my life. He was such an amazing, amazing pastor. And he just oozed just, the love of Christ to people. And um, he, just, um, he was a worship leader, uh, just a great guy, just a very gentle spirit. But anyway, so we were, um, I was on staff at the church, and one day we all got a call over the intercom system and said all the staff needs to go to the conference room. So we packed into this. It was a big conference room, and we kind of packed in. And I'm going to use real names here for just for the sake of the story so I can kind of get it and make sure I tell you everything accurately. But all this stuff is out in the open at the church. But anyway, so he called us into the conference room, and he said, and he was really serious, and he said, we have some family business to take care of today. And he said, but the first time I'm going to tell you, he said, if I ever hear that any of you in the next couple of weeks, if you ever mention this outside of this room, I will call you in my office and if it is true, you will be immediately terminated. Does everybody understand? And we're like, okay. So then he tells us the associate pastor, his right-hand man, the guy that ran all the finances in the church, was having an affair with his secretary. And we were, I was devastated because this guy's name was Scott, Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott was a really, really good friend of mine. He was the guy that brought me in and hired me to work at the church. We hung out together, we did stuff with with his wife. And, uh, and with their kids. Anyway, so he, told, and so he told us, he said, Scott has been having an affair with, and he named the woman, his secretary. And he said, he's been terminated. We found emails between the two of them, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he said, we need to pray for them. We're going to give him some severance pay, blah, blah, blah. Told us the details for both of them, but they both had been terminated. But we were, we were sh- I was shocked out of my mind. And he said, so this, I'll never forget this, this is on a Wednesday. And he said, um, he, said I, he said, we will announce this. He said, first I have to meet with the elders of the church, and then we're going to announce this to the church. And he said, it has to stay in this room. And uh, he said, I'm not sure when we're going to announce this to the church. It depends on how quick we can get all the elders together. And, um, and then uh, the next day he called us all together and he said, I've, I've told Scott that it's up to him, but he can come to the church in front of the church and repent. I think it would be great for the church and it would be healthy for him, but he's refusing to do that. And he said, "Just, I just want you to just pray about this." So then Sunday morning came around and we all got a text and said, "Pray for Scott. He's coming to repent. He changed his mind. He's coming to repent in front of the whole church." No, no, but you guys. But I've been at churches before where people have been in sin. And it's like, well, brother so-and-so, you know, he was just here for a season and nobody addresses the sin because people really in tough situations, I believe they really just don't know how to shepherd very well. But this pastor did. So anyway, so I'm sitting there with my wife and, and I'm, I'm like the kid, like when you were when in school and the teacher said, we're not going to recess until somebody returns Johnny's lunch money. Everybody put your head down. And I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody please. I was like, I felt so guilty and it wasn't even me. I'm like, please, someone get the lunch money. This is torture for me. Someone's in trouble. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh my gosh, it's during, it's during worship. And I'm going, I can hardly worship. I'm like, oh, I'm so nervous for this guy coming out to talk to thousands of people to repent. So worship happens and the pastor comes out and he says, well, we have some important business we're going to take care of today. And he says, Scott and Melanie, the husband and wife, he said, I want you to come out. So he comes out, and he said, uh, he said, Scott has some things that he has to say to the congregation today. There's three services at the church, and he said, Scott's got some things he has to say. We're at the first service. And he has the microphone, and he starts to cry, and he's shaking, and he says, I'm no longer a pastor here. I have been in sin. I've been in sexual sin with somebody, blah, blah, blah. Of course, they didn't mention the woman because she was a, a pastor in this church or whatever, but they are on staff or pastoral staff. and Anyway, and so he's, his wife's there, she's holding his hand, and he starts to talk and he starts to cry. And then from the back of the church, someone stands up and says, I love you, Pastor Scott. And then somebody else does it. And then somebody else, we love you, Pastor Scott. And all of a sudden the church just stands up. There's like a thousand people standing up and they're all just screaming how much they love him. It's because the pastor knew how to shepherd the people. And it was one of the most incredible things I've ever experienced in a church before. And you know, I believe because they knew how to shepherd the people and the people repented Both of the marriages stayed intact. And you know, that was 13 years ago. And both of those people, those couples are still at the church. And when my younger daughter got married, she was like, dad, I need somebody to do premarital counseling with me at the church. I don't know who I should be. I said, you know what? Who's better than Scott and Melanie? They've been married for 15 years. He had an affair. They've stayed married and they're godly people. I mean, and I thought, who better to tell somebody how to keep a godly marriage than somebody that's been in sin? But I'm telling you, when we shepherd our families and we shepherd people and we shepherd our kids, God will come in and God will do incredible things that we never thought could really happen. Let's look at the next thing here. It's Song of Solomon. This is so great. This is um, uh, about... Uh, about having a child, about the blessing of a child. Under the apple tree, I awakened you, my love. Talking about this, uh, uh, talking about this child um, that uh, the mother's given birth to. There your mother was in labor with you. There she was in labor and gave, gave you birth. Put me like a seal on your, on your heart, like a seal on your arm. For my love is as strong as death Jealousy as severe and cruel as Sheol, place of the dead. Next next slide. Its flashes are flashes of fire. This is from the Amplified, a most uh, vehement flame, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench my love toward you, nor can rivers drown it. If a man would offer all the riches of his love, or excuse me, riches of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned and despised. This is him talking about, I love my child so much. And he's telling the child, you can put a seal on your heart. You can put a mark on your arm. You can mark this inside of you and outside of you that I have a love for you that will never, ever change and I would never trade it. Look at Ephesians. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when, but in everything is exposed by the light. It becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. When you are a shepherd of your family, you pray for them, you pray for your kids and God will reveal things to you that you need to know about your kids. How many of you guys have experienced that in your life with your kids where God has revealed things to you about your kids? And you know, and you know what? I've heard people tell tell their kids, "Listen, you'll sin, I'll find you out. The Holy Ghost is going to tell me what sin you're in." I'm like, "Come on, really? You want the Holy you want the Holy Spirit to be a cop?" <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the comforter, the healer. He's the one that walks alongside of us. You want to tell your kids, the Holy Spirit will not let you get away with this because God loves you so much. And I believe that he will speak some things to me. There were times that I would go to my kids and say, I feel like this is happening in your life right now. Is this happening? What's going on with you? And then we would have time. We had a trust and we had an openness and a prayer time to talk about things. That's the way it needs to be with us. let's look at the, the, the third one here. Remember we're talking about are you a warrior? are you a shepherd or are you a worshiper? Let's look at worshiper. you guys need the, the, these uh, I won't read the whole thing for time's sake, but in john um, in john chapter in John chapter four. Where Jesus goes to Samaria, Samaria and he goes to the Samaritan woman. He goes to Jacob's well and he's thirsty and he meets the woman and he prophesies about her life. Let's look at the, uh, the. well, he talks about that. He said, it, let me just turn to it real quick. Hang on a second. If you, would, if you want to, you can turn to John chapter four with me. I'll just read a couple of verses here. John chapter four starts around verse 20. Anyway, and so he is. Uh, he starts to 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 talk to her about her life and her life of sin, and he t- and she knows recognizes that he's a prophet, and he talks to her about that sh- that she can have water. That if people drink from the well, they become thirsty again. But if you, he sh- if people drink from the water that he has, they'll never thirst again. And then he says, uh, sh- 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 let's see. And he says. Jesus said. Jesus declared, "Believe me, woman. I'm in verse twenty one. A time is coming when you sh- when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans, and remember the Jews weren't supposed to be with the Samaritans. They were not supposed to to uh, associate together at all. You Samaritans, worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, as." Um, And has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks good. Uh, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Let's talk about what what it means to be able to worship in spirit and truth. I actually looked this up because I've kind of wondered about these verses. I've read them before. But what he's talking about here is that because of their customs and because of the Jewish laws, that when they used to worship in spirit, it means they meaning that you can now... What he's meaning here is he says, you can now worship at any location. You didn't have to go to a special place to worship. So just to worship in spirit and truth, what he was saying is that you can now do this anywhere because of of me coming in because you knowing me. And then the truth was it didn't have to be ceremonial. It used to be, you guys know, <clears throat> that have been in church for a while and you know the word of God, that they had many rituals they had to do to to be in the presence of God and to show their worship to him. But he's saying now you can worship me anytime, any place, and it doesn't have to be a big ceremonial thing. It's like I was talking to you when I was worshiping um, the Lord and I was trying to shepherd my daughter through this time that she was going through of having cancer. But you guys, as a worshiper, we can worship him anytime, day or night, and it doesn't have to be ceremonial, but we can come to him in spirit and in truth. Let's look at uh, the next point here. To be a good worshiper, uh, I I put in here, ask God to reveal things to you about your children. I've talked about that a little bit already, but as you're worshiping him and you're spending time with them, pray for your kids. Pray for their spouses. How many of you guys are, your kids are young and you have prayed for their spouse already and they're not, not even close to getting married yet. That is so powerful. <clears throat> I will tell you that my oldest daughter, Natalie, she married a guy named Adam. He came to our youth group when he was 15. And he came and the first time he was there, he accepted Christ. And he, I always say, if you could have put a Bible between two pieces of bread, he would have eaten it. He was so hungry for God. And he had been in our youth group for maybe a year or so, and we had a bunch of teenagers at our house. And my wife said, man, if you if we believed in arranged marriages, she goes, the first kid I would pick to marry one of our daughters would be that guy, Adam. And uh, so he ended up being, being our son-in-law, which was really awesome. <clears throat> Philippians chapter two, look at this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though... He was in the form of God. He did not count it equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the, on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. I tell you, I think I've said this here before. When it talks about Jesus became obedient to the point of death, and death on a cross, I believe that Jesus died two deaths. I believe he died the death to do what he wanted to do, and then he died the physical death. But check this out. Look at the next thing here. What this means in the Greek, what it means to empty yourself, it means he chose to make himself to have no reputation. He chose to make himself empty. When we are a warrior, a shepherd, a worshiper, We come to God and we have to choose to make ourselves of no reputation, but to be that reputation of the Father, to represent Christ Jesus to our kids, to walk with them in humility and to walk with them, to know when to be stern and when to have fun. And I believe that the Holy Spirit walks with us and shows us this. Look at the next phrase that I wanted to show you here. And we'll wrap this up. The more we know about God, The more we appreciate him, the more we appreciate, the deeper our worship. The deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. You guys, asking me today if you are a warrior or you're a shepherd or a worshiper, obviously, we need to be all three. Amen? But let me tell you the thing that's so important about being a worshiper Because you know what? When you're a warrior, you've got to take action. You've got to go, you've got to pray. You've got to talk. You've got to seek God. When you're a shepherd, you have to take action. It takes discipline. You have to empty yourself. You have to obey the word of God. You've got to honor your wife. You've got to die to your flesh. But let me tell you what is so important out of the three of these. It's so important for us to be a worshiper because being a worshiper is how we feed the other two. When I come to God as a worshiper, I come with no agenda, I can come empty, I can come broken, and it takes no action other than, God, I submit. As we are warriors and shepherds for a family, it is so important us to be worshipers because that's the thing that feeds us and that's the thing that fuels us. Spending time with him to get his wisdom for the Holy Spirit to to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and to be intimate with him is such the key for us to then give us the fuel and the wisdom and the strength and the discipline to be the warrior and be the shepherd. Amen. Let me take a minute and pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and your example to us throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. That you show us who we are as sinners, that you show us who we are as vessels that are broken, but that you heal us. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us examples through your word, through, through Christ, your son, and through the other people that walked with him, through the disciples, through Paul, through Peter, through James. And we thank you, Lord, that you feed us, that you fix us. And Lord, I pray for each and every person this morning that's here that you would help us all to be the warrior that we need to be when we're called to be. And help us to be the gentle shepherd to rescue our kids when they need to be rescued. And I pray, Lord, this, this morning for the people that are here that are maybe hurting. They've got kids that they're concerned about. They've got a marriage that they're concerned about. Lord, I pray that today they're encouraged to be that worshiper that comes to you and says, God, I need you to fix me. I need you to fix my family. I just want to remind everybody here this morning that when you come to him and you repent, he sees you, he receives you as you are. He receives you as broken and hurting. Would you stand up with me for just a moment? Just where you're standing today, let's let God know where you are right now in that place of a a warrior and a shepherd. Tell him what you need with those things as you worship him right now. I believe he'll speak to you. I believe He'll touch you. <clears throat> Lord, we join in prayer today. We are in agreement with... Um, Parents that are here today, that their kids are not walking with you or maybe they're just having a time of rebellion. We agree with them, Lord, that you draw them back. That the things of this world that they try to taste that would fulfill that void in their heart would leave them empty. Would leave those kids empty. And Lord, we pray for the kids that are in houses where families are divorced. And Lord, we pray that your hand would continually be with them, touch them. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide them, that you would heal them and speak to them. And I pray for the parents that, the moms and dads that are here, that you would help them to be the mom and the dad in this time. And help them to be an imitator of you. We again, we thank you, Lord, that you are our Father, that you are the one that we can rely upon. I pray, Lord, as all the dads here, if they go out and get an ice cream or a slush or something with their kids, that you would give them divine topics and just let them express their love. Like we heard from Solomon that nothing nothing is worth nothing is worth anything i would trade my love for you we thank you for your goodness god we thank you for how you receive us and we thank you for your presence that's been here today father in jesus name amen amen